0: welcome back everyone we have returned from three weeks at the Nipti summer college in syracuse a wonderful experience for all involved and our thanks to everyone Today, we're going to reconvene with an issue that actually was brought up by someone at the Niptee Summer College, and that is special issues that arise only in misdemeanor speedy trial cases. So let's take a look at some unique issues from misdemeanor speedy trial. While the majority of the rules for calculating includable and excludable time are the same for misdemeanor and felony cases... There are a number of rules that are different and should not be overlooked when addressing these issues in the context of a misdemeanor case. The basic rule for determining how many days do people have in which to be ready for trial when prosecuting a misdemeanor case are found in CPL 30.30 subdivision 1, and also it's useful to review People v. Cooper, a Court of Appeals decision from 2002. Unless an event occurs which triggers one of the specific exceptions enumerated in CPL 30.30 Subdivision 5, the amount of time you have in a misdemeanor case is based on the most serious offense charged in the criminal action, measured from the date of the filing of the first accusatory instrument. For example, if a defendant is originally charged with a misdemeanor in a complaint, but is ultimately indicted for a felony, the people will have six months in which to be ready for trial. Take a look at People v. Cooper, a different court of appeals decision from 1997. Another example of this general rule is if a defendant is charged in a felony complaint and the grand jury indicts the defendant only for a misdemeanor charge, the people will still have six calendar months in which to be ready for trial because the original charge was a felony. exception to the basic rule that occurs most and very often is when a defendant is first charged with a felony and when the case is then reduced to a misdemeanor for trial. When this happens, the contingency rules found in CPL 30.30 subdivision 5 C and D are triggered. Under these rules, the people have either 90 days from the filing of the new misdemeanor information or the amount of uncharged time that remained on the felony complaint, which started at six months, whichever number is less. For example, if the felony case already had 120 days of chargeable time and the total amount of time you had on this felony complaint was 181 days, then the people would still have 61 days left upon which to be ready on the misdemeanor accusatory instrument. On the other hand, for example, if the people had only 20 days charged on the felony complaint, they would have 90 days in which to be ready for trial when the misdemeanor information was filed. In other words, you have either 90 days or the remainder of what was charged on the felony Whichever is less. Here's another example of a difference between misdemeanor and felony speedy trial issues. The people may be ready on some, but not all of the charges in an information. Thus, there are situations where a speedy trial motion can result in the dismissal of some, but not all of the charges in an information. This may result from specific answers of readiness on some, but not all of the counts at a calendar call which creates a different total of chargeable time for the different charges in the information. Different totals may also result from the sufficiency of the charge as written as to one charge, but not as to the other. Please see People v. Brooks, a Supreme Court appellate term first department decision from 2001. Now, this is a different rule from that of an indictment, which requires an announcement of readiness on the entire indictment and does not permit readiness statements on just portions of the indictment. When an information lacks sufficient factual allegations to support a particular charge, it is considered a jurisdictional defect. As such, any statement of readiness is not valid as to that charge. This defect is not waivable and may be challenged on an appeal despite the fact a defendant may have pled guilty to this defective charge. See People v. Alejandro, a Court of Appeals decision from 1987. On the other hand, if the factual allegations are hearsay in nature and insufficient to support the pleadings, this is not a jurisdictional defect, and therefore it is waivable. Thus, any answer of readiness on such charge is valid for speedy trial purposes until the defense challenges the sufficiency of the instrument, while that charge will be dismissed when challenged for lack of sufficiency, the previous answers of readiness are still valid for the periods of time in which they were made before the challenge. Since this issue must be preserved for appellate review, a conviction secured on such a technically defective information or a plea taken on one will stand. See, People v. Casey, a Court of Appeals decision from 2000, where the court wrote, Now squarely confronted with the issue whether a hearsay pleading violation of CPL 100.41C is jurisdictional and non-waivable, we conclude that it is not. The second department has held, and the third department has noted, that a dismissal of a misdemeanor charge for speedy trial reasons does not preclude the presentation of felony charges to the grand jury on that same criminal transaction. There are simply no constitutional nor statutory provisions, clear or otherwise, which prohibit the grand jury as an arm of the court from indicting a person for crimes with which he had previously been charged in an accusatory instrument, which correctly or incorrectly had been dismissed by the local criminal court pursuant to CPL 170.30, subdivisions 1E. So wrote the court in matter of Chang v. Rotker a second department case from 1990. While the rules for what is an effective statement of readiness are the same for both felony and misdemeanor cases, here is a case that deals with an issue often found factually in misdemeanor cases where witnesses are on call and aren't sitting in your office when you answer ready for trial. The case is People v. Daffin, and it comes from the first department in 2013. The court wrote, The motion turns on an adjournment that the court properly excluded because the people's statement on the morning of June 2nd that, quote, we are ready at 215 constituted a statement of present readiness. Actual readiness does not require that the people be able to call their first witness to the stand at the very moment they are representing that they are ready for trial. The people's representation that they would be prepared to proceed with trial that afternoon, which defendant does not contradict showed that they had done all that is required of them to bring the case to a point where it may be tried so wrote the court please be sure to read the written version of today's nipty practice tip for all the case law and statutory authority case sites also be sure to check on the expanded memo found in pe on misdemeanor speedy trial issues Our thanks, as always, to our crack producer and matte painter, Jonathan Marconi Crispino. To all of you out there, be well and stay ready, my friends.